<clears throat> this is the last day of this June 2022 seven-day session. I'm going to uh, explore another koan this morning. This is from the Book of Serenity, Shoyu Roku, uh, and uh, it's number 14. Uh, attendant Quo serves tea. <clears throat> Quo, the attendant, asked Dushan, Where have all the Buddhas and ancestors of the past gone? Dushan replied, What? What? Quo said, I gave the command for a flying dragon horse to spring forth, but out comes only a lame tortoise. Dashan was silent. The next day, when Dashan came from his bath, Quo served him tea. Dashan patted him on the shoulder. Quo said, this old fellow has finally gotten a glimpse. Again, Dashan was silent. This Dashan, spelled <clears throat> in the Roman alphabet as D E S H A N, but uh, the way these things work, the D E, the E is uh, pronounced like a U, like da, da, Sean, da, Sean. Um, seems to have been some, some squirrely thing that happened uh, when the China, China during the Cultural Revolution was uh, alienated from just about every country except. Uh, Oh, what's that one? Uh, there's a Balkan country that, Albania. yeah, but uh, Albania. Albania. Thank you, Albania, and uh, the, the, as a result of the, that that uh, transmission from China to Al- Al- the Albanian language, these this is how these things got spelled, just to be nettlesome to us forevermore these pronunciations, but he is uh, Deshan, he's of course Chinese, mastered almost all these masters and all these koans are Chinese, Uh, but uh, the uh, Japanese uh, rendered his name as Toksan, that may be a more familiar name to some of you. So Deshan or Toksan lived during the Tang Dynasty, the uh, nine 800s and 900s is one of the very most famous of the the Chan masters, especially the fire-breathing Chan masters. Just a little bit of material here. I see that uh, as recently as last July, I read material, biographical material on him, but just to give a flavor of 
this, 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 there was this phrase in the, in, at the end of the Tang Dynasty, uh, Rinzai's stick, Toksan's shout. Though Deshan held his own with the stick, too. Here's one. Deshan said to the monks, As soon as you ask, you have erred. If you don't ask, you're also wrong. A monk came forward and bowed. Deshan struck him. The monk said, I just bowed. Why did you hit me? Deshan said, What use would it be to wait until you opened your mouth? Uh, there are at least four koans uh, that uh, somewhat span the life of Doshan. They start with uh, the first one is in the Mumonkan, where uh, it's called uh, Rutan Blows Out a Candle. And uh, I'll, I'll try to stick to the Chinese Deshan because uh, it's not that difficult uh, to pronounce. It's not as bad as some others. So uh, Deshan had earned a reputation as being a, the leading scholar in the Diamond Sutra. This is before he got into Chan. And uh, also the Vinaya school, so both the precepts and the sutras and... Uh, would go around everywhere. Today we'd say he'd be going on lecture tours, lecturing on on uh, the Diamond Sutra. He came to be known as Diamond Shao. And uh, he had heard about this new school, the Zen school, the Chan school, and how they just said, emphasized direct experience, outside words, outside the sutras. And it infuriated him. And uh, he was a very strong, bumptious, carousing character. So he uh, put all his his books, his copies and commentaries of the Diamond Sutra and set off, he said, to exterminate the lot of them, all these Chan practitioners. And then he met this woman, this old woman on the road, <clears throat> who... Uh, set him back, she offered him a challenge, and he was tongue-tied. I'm going through these fat quickly, so uh, I don't have time to go through them in detail. <clears throat> and uh, it left him completely deflated and uh, open, open to what, what more lie, what, what he's been missing, what has been deficient in his Buddhist training. And, and it was the uh, direct facing the wall. And then he uh, arrived at the monastery of uh, this uh, uh, Rutan, and uh, they talked deep into the night, and Rutan finally said, it's time for you to leave, and he headed for the the door of the uh, hut and uh, saw that it was dark out, and he turned and said, it's, it's dark outside. And... Uh, Rutan 
uh, lit a candle, held it out, and as Dushan was about to take it, Rutan blew it out. And at that, Dushan came to enlightenment. Next koan, featuring Dushan. Now he comes and he arrives at the monastery of Isan, another of the great big names. His Chinese name was Kuaishan. And uh, what he does is he storms into the Buddha hall where Isan is sitting, Zazen. He storms in there. He stalks from one side of the hall to the other and just says, nothing, nothing. And he heads for the exit and then has second thoughts and he comes back and he goes through the more the proper comportment for a monk. He takes out his bowing cloth and he says, Master, Isan reaches for his whisk. It's one of these implements that these Chinese masters had to whisk away the flies, I guess. He reached for his whisk and uh, Dushan uh, yells, Quats! and strides out. So this second koan is fresh. He's fresh off his experience, his deep awakening with uh, Rutan, with the blowing out of the candle. So he's still got all this piss and vinegar in him, his uh, arrogance. They have a saying in Japan, I heard from Roshi, a saying that, uh, um, that someone after an initial uh, deep awakening is, is puffed up like f- fresh bread right out of the oven, hasn't really uh, settled yet. And then koan number three is where uh, now Dushan, by all indications, is much older. And uh, he's starting to head for the dining hall with his, his bowl in his hand. And the head cook, Seppo, confronts him. He's early. And Seppo <coughs> says, where are you going with your bowl? We haven't hit the uh, umpan yet. We haven't hit the gong. At which Dushan just turns silently and walks back to his room. There's that silence. And then Seppo, same koan, Seppo goes to a senior monk and tells him what happened. And this Ganto says, a great master though he is, he still hasn't grasped the last word of Zen. Dushan hears about this and summons Ganto. And uh, according to what the koan reads, when Ganto enters his quarters, he says, uh, don't you approve of me? And Ganto leans in and whispers in Dushan's ear. It would appear from the way the koan is structured, he's whispering the last word of Zen. And then the next day, Dashan was different, doesn't say how, he was somehow different, 
and Seppo came forward, and that is in his talk, and Seppo comes forward, the cook, and says, ah, the master has at last grasped the last word of Zen. And this is now the fourth in the series. Uh, I don't know for sure about the order, uh, but here in this one too, it seems that uh, that Deshan is not young. So he had a in his, in his youth. This Deshan had a fearsome reputation, but now we see a different man. At least for this one story. So let's go back to the case. Quo, the attendant, and we don't anyone know anything about this attendant, asked Dashan, where have all the Buddhas and ancestors of the past gone? On the face of it, it might seem it could could be that he's asking. Uh, the sa- it's the same question that anyone might ask uh, after someone has died. From uh, from my experience in talking with people over the years, and from my own experience, this is. For, for many, this is the burning question. Where did she go? Where is she now? Especially gripping uh, soon after the death of the loved one. But we can't be sure that's what the attendant is asking about. These koans uh, are like uh, coloring books where you get the outline of, of the, what happened, the exchanges, and then it's up to the student working on it for Doksan to, to color in the coloring book and, and to try to intuit what might going on be going on behind the words, the state of mind of these different characters. That's the most important thing, not the words. Deshan replied, What? What? That's the Next point of the koan, how did he say that? I had to, just because I'm, I'm voicing it, I had to do it one way, but may have been a different way. And then Quo comes back. 
I gave the command for a flying dragon horse to spring forth. This is a symbol of great courage and spirit uh, from Chinese culture. The command for a flying dragon horse to spring forth, but out comes only a lame tortoise. So the very fact that he uses the word command, or at least that's how it's translated, I gave the command for this horse to spring forth, gives us a clue as to his initial, the attendant's initial question, where have all the Buddhas and ancestors of the past gone? And here, in reply, Dashan was silent. All kinds of ways to interpret that silence. The next day, when Dushan came from his bath, Kuo served him tea. Deshan patted him on the shoulder. Guo said, This old fellow has finally gotten a glimpse. And again, Deshan was silent. Think of this line from Affirming Faith in Mind. When this one mind rests undisturbed, then nothing in the world offends. There's a, some commentary on this koan. Uh, in the Book of Serenity itself, uh, not... Yeah, in the, the, the published book includes commentaries by uh, two or three different masters. And uh, in one of them, he's, the commentator is talking about uh, the old Dershan. And uh, he says, Dershan usually thrashed the wind and beat the rain hollering at the Buddhas and reviling the patriarchs. This monk's errors filled the sky. Why did Dashan let him go? What is hardly realized is that he wrestled down oxen without using rope, killed people without using a sword. How many has he ever let go? Uh, the same commentator then says, uh, 
Deshaun keeps deaf and plays dumb, but even so, he gets the advantage unseen. The attendant covered his ears to steal the bell. What can be done for the unseemliness of the onlooker? And then the same commentator uh, says, referring to the attendant, he is like he is like trying to take the jewel from under the jet black dragon's jaw at the depths of the abyss, getting there just when the dragon is asleep. If the dragon wakes up, he'll surely be chopped into mincemeat. So, what about these two silences? Well, we can look to the words of, a, of another master, a famous master, Folg Wohl, who said, Deshan really had ruthless hands and feet but he saw that this monk was not a man to accept the hammer, so he stopped right away. Um, teaching in Zen, and uh, no doubt in many other fields, is not just imparting information, but recognizing that a lot depends on the readiness of the student to hear what the teacher is saying. I only half-jokingly say that, uh, that the first three days of Sashin, I'm giving Teisho's, speaking in Doksan, but most of it goes unheard. It's that, that first half of Sashin, first three days, that is, is prying open the mind of the student, making her more receptive. Uh, so then more can be received later in Sashin. And then aside from that, it's, everything depends on the the maturity of the student as to what she or he can uh, assimilate. This comment strikes me as a as one of the most heartful. Of uh, the whole of the koans in our collections, there's a humanity here um, that is not often so evident in the koans. So many of the koans are this dharma dueling, 
and all the strong spirited uh, pronouncements, the shouting, the this uh, this makes me think of uh, what Dogen, Zen Master Dogen, I think, said: uh, the purpose of Zen is to develop a tender heart. It also calls to mind uh, different uh, issues with respect to age. We don't know the age of the attendant, um, but the something that, uh, okay, just going by intuition, it sounds like uh, he's got more years ahead of him than behind him. Makes me uh, think of uh, some of these nature, nature movies, documentaries. I saw one, uh, uh, some episodes of one <clears throat> not long ago, called uh, Wild Babies, and uh, it's about it's basically about family systems of animals. Uh, it's uh, very little mortal combat. Uh, the, the, the mortal combat you see in, in uh, so many of these nature documentaries. And it's more about uh, parents and children and siblings and packs and tribes, including sibling, sibling rivalry. It's marvelous, marvelous documentary. It's, it's full of human nature. It's all animals, but it's full of human nature. And I think of these scenes of uh, the young cub, the tiger cub, or the, the young monkey uh, harassing the mother or father, and uh, the, the parent just kind of enduring it, uh, putting up with it for a while until just, get out of here, get out of here, kid, you bother me. But uh, Dashan doesn't even do that. A young uh, Zen student can present a good understanding of this koan, but how deeply can he or she appreciate Dashan and his silences. There's a, uh, when speaking of generational differences, there's a, a, a basic asymmetry where the older member of the species knows what it's like to be young. She's been there. Whereas the younger one doesn't know what it's like to be old. Not really. The younger person can imagine 
can read about it. It's sort of like a non-parent um, can never know what it is to be a parent. A non-grandparent can't know what it is to be a grandparent. Try as we might, it is not within our experience. The elderly know many of the sufferings of youth. But the same can't be said quite the same way of young people knowing of the sufferings of age. The way the systems break down in, over the years. Now, what are those systems? The circulatory system, respiratory system, muscular system, skeletal system, reproductive system, neurological system, whatever they're called. I'm drawing from junior high here. But they get more and more obvious as the wheels come off. If we're lucky, just gradually, little by little, And the elderly know the joys of youth to the extent that we can remember them. <laughs> Although one for sure I can't quite know is all of the, the anxiety stoked by social media. I feel such sympathy based on a lot of reading of... Uh, what young people go through with social media just sounds like uh, a lot of suffering involved with that. But we probably remember the the daring of youth and the recklessness of youth. We may remember, we men may remember with regrets how testosterone fueled a lot of what we did, mistakes we made, injuries we suffered. Young people can't know the wide perspective of the elderly who have weathered decades of hardships and losses. Physical losses again, loss of the physical body, mental losses, but, but also the deaths over these decades, deaths of people dear to them, to the elderly, parents, friends, siblings, students, teachers.
as we as we do get older, we can think back, and sometimes with regrets of how blind we were. I think of Roshi Kapil, of course. He was uh, 35 years older than I was, and sort of became a second father. And to see him age, and uh, have some sympathy, but never. How could I? How could I have understood that? How could I have understood what? that really means. But in exchange for the losses uh, is this detachment, let's call it that, detachment, that is detachment of having having had to bounce back from so many mistakes and and the whole dyad of winning and losing and gaining and and losing I've heard more than a few parents, new parents, say they never appreciated their own parents until they became parents. It's such a blessing when you're young to to be able to imagine, uh, not just getting old, but uh, what death might mean. This is a great spur to practice, of course. There's something, uh, I'm really fishing here now, I'm unprepared. Something I photograph of of a skeleton in I don't know, some medieval monastery. And uh, the caption, this is from hundreds of years ago, the caption under the skeleton is, uh, I was once like you, you will once be like me. But who would want to change, even if we could? Who would want to change these generational differences? Look what uh, these reckless, daring, uh, often arrogant youths, and who, could, who can look back and say we weren't, uh, have accomplished because of their daring. Because of, of not having lived long enough to know the dangers there could be. The, the arrogance comes from the same thing. Uh, not having lived long enough to know how little we know as youths. I'm still talking about this koan, too. And 
Will Rogers, the humorist of, of uh, earlier, earlier 20th century, uh, said, good judgment comes from experience, and a lot of that experience comes from bad judgment. <laughs> from making mistakes. There was a, some kind of a Middle Eastern sage, uh, I'll say the name in case it means anything, Abud of Omdurman. Uh, he was asked, uh, which is better, to be young or to be old? He said, to be old is to have less time before you and more mistakes behind. I leave you to decide whether this is better than the reverse. You'd hope, you'd think maybe that as we age, we're more likely to want to practice. And and we see that happening sometimes as people uh, come to to appreciate the the wisdom of Bodhidharma himself saying, uh, anyone who has a human body is an heir to suffering and a stranger to peace. But just through life experience, seeing more and more the the indisputable wisdom of the Dharma, just impermanence, start with impermanence. But unfortunately, uh, too often, uh, as we age, we uh, it's not just our body that gets stiff, it's the mind, and uh, habits get set, and it becomes harder to change for some. And then these silences. First, being clouded by this attendant, denouncing him for not coming back with what he thought would be a better reply, or the reply that he imagined should be coming, and then then silence. And then that marvelous, marvelous moment where Guo serves him tea after he comes out of the bath and he pats him on the shoulder. There's a passage uh, I've read 
I see three times before over the years. At least three times it's, I marked it. But it's been a, a while. It looks like it's been for six years. I haven't read it. So those of you who have heard it before, I hope you will indulge me. It's by uh, Edgar Lee Masters, uh, American writer of, uh, who died in 1950. Talking about silences, different kinds of silences. I have known the silence of the stars and of the sea and the silence of the city when it pauses and the silence of a man and a maid and the silence for which music alone finds the word and the silence of the woods before the winds of spring begin and the silence of the sick when their eyes roam about the room. And I ask, for the depths of what use is language? A beast of the field moans a few times when death takes its young. And we are voiceless in the presence of realities we cannot speak. A curious boy asks an old soldier sitting in front of the grocery store, how did you lose your leg? And the soldier is struck with silence. Or his mind flies away because he cannot concentrate it on Gettysburg. He comes back jocosely, and he says, Oh, bear bit it off. There's the silence of a great hatred. And the silence of a great love. And the silence of a deep peace of mind. And the silence of an embittered friendship. There is the silence of a spiritual crisis through which your soul, exquisitely tortured, comes with visions not to be uttered into a realm of higher life. There is the silence of those unjustly punished and the silence of the dying whose hand suddenly grips yours. There is the silence of those who have failed and the vast silence that covers broken nations. And vanquished leaders. And there's the silence of age 
too full of wisdom for the tongue to utter it in words intelligible to those who have not lived the great range of life. Yeah, we'll stop now and recite the four vows.